Crowley, a branding badass, and welcome to Branding Matters, a podcast that I created and host to help you create brand equity. Branding Matters is brought to you by Genumark, one of North America's most trusted branded merch makers for over 40 years. Did you know branded merchandise is one of the best ways to create brand awareness? It's true. Whether with your team or your fans, there's no better way to show your appreciation, connect with your audience, and build community than by combining thoughtful design with great products that tell your brand story. When you partner with Genumark, you get more. More personalized service, more creativity, more innovative solutions, and more importantly, you get it all from a talented team of branding experts who have the experience and know-how to make your job easier and best of all, more fun. From promotional products, custom uniforms and clothing, to sports co-branding, web stores and warehousing, Genumark makes it happen. And being ISO certified, you can rest assured knowing ethical sourcing and sustainability are front and center. Genumark is big enough to matter, but small enough to care. So if you're looking for the right partner to help you create brand awareness, email brandingmatters at genumark.com to start your next project today. That's brandingmatters at G-E-N-U-M-A-R-K dot com. My guest today is Patty Gilmore, the founder of Studio Gilmore. Patty is known around the world as the humor consultant because he helps brands use humor as a way to become more profitable. With more than 20 years experience in advertising and, get this, a master's degree investigating humor, Patty has worked with some of the world's most famous brands including Barclays, 3, Epson and Getty Images, just to name a few. I invited Patty to be a guest on my show today to talk about the role humor plays in branding. I wanted to learn how brands use it to connect with their consumers, and I was curious to hear what he had to say about cancel culture and how, if any, it has affected humor today, especially in branding. Patty, I am really excited to have you here today because I love humor. So welcome to Branding Matters. Hello, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Where are you actually? I'm in, in uh, Guildford, Surrey, which is about 50 miles outside of London. I know where Surrey is. I used to live right around there in Richmond. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. So- you know well. I, that's so funny. I was actually just talking to someone about Surrey not that long ago. After university, I went traveling for two years and I lived in Richmond in a place called Joe's Bar and Grill. I don't even know if it's still there. It was on it really the Thames. It's a slight bell. I don't think I've ever been there, but I've heard of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so Surrey is really close. And Mick Jagger had a house there. Does he still have a house there? He might do. He isn't a neighbor of mine. But, uh, <laughs> you know, who knows? Who knows? You know, I might well bump into him, you know, buying, buying milk one day. Oh, too funny. And Twickenham is close by, right? That isn't too far away either. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's true. Wow. Yeah. Who would have thought? I'm in Calgary, yeah. Canada. Have you ever been here? Uh, I haven't, sadly. I'd love to go to Canada, but I'm afraid I haven't yet. And so are you originally from London or were you from originally? Um, I grew up in the southwest of England, a little town called Biddeford. My father's Irish, hence the reason I'm Patty. I was going to say, shocker. <laughs> no, and I have to say about your name, I think it's so funny because Patty Gilmore. So is your f- official title a humorous? What's your official title? Are you My official title, I, I suppose it would be humor consultant. Humor consultant. Okay. Um, so, and we're gonna get we're gonna get into that. But yes. I love that your name is Patty Gilmore because right away when I heard your name, I thought of Happy Gilmore. Have you ever heard of Happy Gilmore? I have. Yeah, the Adam Sandler film. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, I, exactly. so Patty, of course, I thought of like Irish. And then, so mm. I just thought, what a perfect name. And, you know, it was really. Thank you. Thank you. It's very kind. So thank when you. you said you were Irish, I wasn't surprised. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really, really excited to have you here. I love humor. I try to use it every day. So I'm really excited to dive in with you today and talk about a subject that I love. So before we get into it, you have a master's degree, quote unquote, investigating humor. When I read mm. that, I thought that was so interesting. Can you tell me about that and what your thesis was on? Sure, sure. By all means. So, so my master's was in history of art. And I specialized in looking at avant-garde art groups and how they used humor in Paris in the 1890s and the 1960s. So that was, so my thesis was basically on comparing avant-garde art groups and humor. So it was really quite niche, but it was a very good master's to do because what it did is, you know, I had to investigate humor. I had to look at the kind of humor techniques they were using. And I had to look at, you know, the uh, human mechanisms and I had to look at the science of it and the psychology of it. And I think that's what kind of set me on my path. And that was, it's about 25 years ago now. And then I think on the back of that, I mean, because I found it so interesting. And I'd also studied a lot of Andy Warhol and I really liked advertising, commercial art. I thought, okay, advertising would seem to be my natural home because I loved funny ads. So it just kind of led me in, into my career. I actually find that English humor is is really great humor. Do you like Ricky Gervais? Gervais. Um, I to be he's one of those comedians. I like some of his scripted work. The Office, I think, is fantastic. As a stand-up, I'm not a huge fan. No, but I think I mean I mean The Office when that came out that changed the game. And some of extras is great as well. I mean, a very very talented man. You know, oh. very smart. I like, yeah, exactly. I like his humor because I I think it is smart. Well, and he did a show on Netflix recently. Afterlife. Yes. And that was yeah. pretty good. Did you see that? that was, or? Yeah, I did. I did see that. I was, to be honest. Not I a big fan? Kind of, I, I wasn't, wasn't such a fan. No. Uh, but I think it's, you know, sometimes it hits, sometimes it kind of misses. Um, but um, yeah, very smart guy. And that brings up another point is humor is very subjective. Right. Mm. I mean, that's the thing, too, is what I think is funny. You may not think is funny. I mean, when I talk about English comedians, Black Adder, I think, is another one. Right. That was Mm. really popular back in the day. And when when I was younger, my dad used to watch. uh, Oh, who was that? I don't even know if he's still around. He did these really funny. He was. Oh, I can't think of his name. He was kind of chubby. Anyway, do you know what I'm talking about? He was like a really famous, popular... Les Dawson? No, I can't think of his name. It'll come to me. But humor being so subjective when Mm. a company or brand is looking to infuse humor into their branding or marketing or advertising, Mm. what's the process? How do they know what kind of humor is going to work with their target audience? This is a very, very good question here. What I do is I look at several different areas. Two principles ones are what I call uh, psychographic elements. So Mm -hmm. typically what we can say about people as distinctive people, as you know, themselves and um, demographic factors as well. So the kind of factors that people share. And I think it's a good way of seeing if if humour is going to be successful is finding out what people share in common. You know, those commonality elements are extremely important. Often when humor misfires, it's when, you know, there's a sense that part of the group that it's aimed towards just doesn't get it. Mm -hmm. Um, So by kind of isolating out those common factors that we can say, okay, 
this is yours that we're speaking to. These are the kind of things they are disposed to, they're indisposed to, their sympathies, their views, their opinions. And so this is the best way to angle it. Okay, so there's actually a science behind it. There is a science behind it, yes. <laughs> big time. Yeah, it's very interesting. There was, um, between 1900 and 1909, there were two articles published with the titles that contained the words laughter or humour, okay? Between 2000 and 2009, there were 440 articles published. Science has just, has exploded so much. Over the past decade, we've had over a thousand academic articles published. And this is just looking at the psychology of humour. There's also the philosophy of humour, the politics of humour. I mean, humour is a really expanding subject right now, both within marketing and within academia. And I think this is why it's so interesting because we know so much about it. And my feeling is that within marketing circles, so many more brands would be so much more valuable and so much more kind of prized by their customers if they were to bring this thinking into their communications. I agree. I absolutely agree. Before I continue, I remember the name and I had to write down Benny Hill. Benny Hill, yes. Benny yes. Hill, he, right? He, he, he uh, divided people. Yeah. 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 He was he, um, he divided very, very people. popular. Yeah, oh well, some of his, some of his, uh, if you see him kind of being, uh, if you see him chasing. Uh, oh, I know, I know. He would never get away with it today, now. right? Yeah. I mean, that, and, yeah. and I want to talk about all that because a lot of things that were funny, you know, back in the day would never go today. But I, mm. I want to say that. But I read somewhere recently in an article that 72% of consumers want brand communication on social to be funny. Why do you think that is? Why do you think there's what? such a thirst for comedy and humor right now? Yeah, I think I think there's there's kind of three main reasons for this. I think I think the first reason is that I mean we talk about social, but social at its best is socializing. And when you're socializing in the pub or in a bar or in a cafe, humor is naturally there. It's a wonderful thing to have. So we accept it being there. So I think that's part of the reason why so many people want it there. I think the second reason is that people on social media, increasingly there's there's a lot of loneliness there. And, you know, this loneliness means that humor is a really nice thing to kind of cure that. There was an American comedian, a guy called Sid Caesar, who once said, he said, the, the great thing about humor, it resolves people's loneliness. It makes them feel less lonely. Mm -hmm. So that's the, um, the second thing. I think the third thing is, is what happens with, with humor everywhere, which is that it's been shown that using humor increases dopamine levels, it increases oxytocin, and it just makes us feel better about ourselves. And it's interesting, even the anticipation of humor has been shown to increase these hormones within us. So um, it is very much a wonderful thing, you know, whether yeah. on social or elsewhere. Well, and especially I would say, so I, I agree with everything you just said. I think it connects us, right? Because it's mm. an emotion that if you, I always try, you know, especially when I meet new people to try to crack a smile or get them to crack a smile because it sort of eases the tension and then it helps exactly. you connect with another person. And then I think it, it makes that connection brings you closer together. And so going back to brands and business, you know, when brands do that on social, I think it helps them connect with their audience, whichever type of humor that they use. I love that you said Sid Caesar. I, by the way, I'm older than you might think. So I know all these comedians. <laughs> I remember Sid Caesar, another one of my, so my dad, you know, I was talking about my dad. So just to give you a little background, he, you know, humor was a big part of my upbringing and mm -hmm. he actually, he's not around anymore. He died in 1999, but he used to perform in the war in oh, world wow. war ii he was actually a performer and he used to dress up as groucho marx 
Ah. He used to perform for the soldiers. Yeah. So he used to perform. So humor was always a part of our life and all the old comedians. We had movies of Charlie Chaplin. That was another of his favorites, you know. So sure. I've always been surrounded by it. He was a very funny man. So going back full circle to talking about social now and why 72% of consumers are wanting it, I think with everything that's gone on in the world today, especially with COVID and everything, that we need to just lighten up. And, and if we can mm. have a laugh and, and escape from what's going on in the world. I think it's just a nice escape for everybody. And yeah. so when brands do that, you know, speaking of COVID, and I want to get your take on this, there was an ad that came out and it was when we were, I think it might've been about a year or so ago. It was the Wrigley's gum ad. I don't know if you remember yes. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. But I've seen two versions of it. So I've seen the online full version and then uh -huh. I've seen the watered down edited version on television. So I want to hear your your take on that ad because I thought it was brilliant. I loved it. And I shared it with everybody when I saw it on social. What's your take on that? I thought it was, it was, it was great. It was absolutely fantastic. And it was a really good example of the way that a brand can use humor. I mean, it might not have a massive insight, but it just has so much wit in, in it. You know, you know, basically saying that after a couple of years of COVID, people have bad breath and they want to go out and they want to kiss someone. And so they're going to have these, you know, use, use chewing gum again. Fantastic. It's great. Yeah. And I think it was, it was lovely to, to see that. And what I liked about it, especially, and this is where humor works so well in communications is it's not really about salesmanship. Often it's about showmanship. It's about the show. It's about putting on a show. Entertainment. Of exactly. Right. It is entertainment. Yeah. 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 And I think it really, I thought it was so brilliant. And it talks to a lot of what you said earlier about what everyone has in common. Right. And so for mm. listeners who haven't seen the commercial yet, it really is basically showing all these people waking up in their yeah. homes or finally now. And this is in a fictitious future world. Right. Because this is back when we were, I think, still in lockdown or getting close to getting out and all these guys with these long beards and everybody all of a sudden and there's these tumbleweeds and all of a sudden exactly. people are like exactly. we can get out now and so every and we've all no one's been able to have any human contact right so there's mm. that commonality that around the globe everyone's felt and now all of a sudden we're out and we're seeing people and touching people and so you see these people just grabbing each other in the park and making out and and it was also relevant and that's the other thing about humor and you know because that ad maybe wouldn't have worked for another product like mm. a car mm. or a lot of products it may not work for but because it was gum and you're kissing mm. people it was such a brilliant use of that product where everybody exactly could it. and exactly. then yeah I was I was just going to say that uh, John Hegarty once said that uh, a great advert is a product demonstration with a twist. And I think that's such a wise thing. I um, love that. You know, and so this is often where, where humor works so well. So if you take the uh, the classic Levi's ad, the Levi's 501 ad of the 1980s, which a guy goes into a laundrette, takes off his jeans. Oh, I remember that. The, 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 uh, the uh, washing machine. Yeah. You know, that's a product demonstration. These are shrink to fit jeans. Yeah. This product demonstration with a twist. You yeah. know, um, that's a kind of advert that no one would really think is a funny ad. I mean, it's a very attractive ad. It's a very cool ad, you know, when mm -hmm. it came out. But it is, in a way, quite a humorous ad because it just kind of has that element of surprise, that twist, that unexpectedness. Well, it was clever. It was clever, right? exactly. Yeah. I think humor, I think the best humor is clever like that. So what are some other brands that are getting it right when it comes to humor? I think Oatly are doing it very, very well. You know, Oatly do the kind of the oat-based milk. 
non-dairy milk. I don't know if you can get that in Canada. Yet. No. So Oatly is a Scandinavian brand. I think it could be it could be Swedish. It started, I think, about a decade ago, and they produce oat-based milk. And they have done a number of really, really good advertising campaigns. One of them was the uh, CEO sitting in a field playing a uh, electronic keyboard and singing a song about his product. Some really, really nice adverts. Another one was dog page ad. And one was uh, this advert is for teenagers. And then the, on the other side, you had this advert is for teenagers' dads. And it was basically saying, if you're a teenager and you, you, know, you don't want dairy milk, you want oat-based milk, read this part. Then the dad can oh. it. It's just kind of really nice oh, way that. of doing things. So Oatly's really nice. Another brand that's doing really well, Specsavers. Specsavers? Opticians. Specsavers. Okay. Specsavers. So what they did is things like, for example, when Manchester United had a really bad result last season, they put a tweet out saying, um, if you come into a Specsavers branch, we will pluck the lenses out of your glasses. So the next time you see a Manchester United match, you oh. won't <laughs> Anything. I love you know, that. Yeah, and, that's great. And that, that then went viral. And, you know, just some really nice social stuff. Uh, Ryanair also do some amazing stuff on social. And yeah, there's some, there's some very inventive brands doing some, some really good stuff. Brilliant. Okay, so we talked about a couple of brands that are doing really well and, and are getting it right. Are there businesses out there that should stay away from humor when it comes to their branding and their advertising and marketing? It's interesting because traditionally the thought has been that Basically, luxury brands, you know, high, you know, consideration, high price brands shouldn't use humor. So if you're selling, say, sports cars or jewelry, then that's typically not really a kind of humorous place to like play in. Why not jewelry? Well, this is it. It's, it's interesting because there are exceptions. I was going to say there are exceptions to this. So Harvey Nichols is a very well-known high-end department store here in the UK. And they've done phenomenally well of very, very humorous ad campaigns. So this is the, the, the strange thing. You know, there is a sense, well, if it hasn't been done in a certain area, we can't do it. But often then a really smart brand, such as Harvey Nichols, will then think, okay, no one else is doing no it. No one else has done it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's that's one side of it. I mean, the most popular area, and this is where humans use use the most, is in uh, low-cost kind of treats. So these would be typically things like fast food, sweets, drinks, that kind of thing. And that's where humor's traditionally been used. But what's interesting is it's changing quite dramatically. I mean, once upon a time, if you go back 30 years or so, it, you know, it would have been very much okay. You would be kind of advertising toys or sweets. You'd be thinking, okay, we'll use humor. But what's happened since then is humors now use a lot more in serious products. So things like pensions or insurance. So like the Geico ads in America are world famous. You know, they're selling insurance and you think, okay, it's quite a high consideration purchase. You want that insurance to be the best insurance you can get. So it's not a trivial thing by any means. It's not low cost. You know, it's quite a serious decision. So this is where humor works really well is often if something is very serious, a way to get across that seriousness is by encapsulating it in like a humorous jacket, as it were. Well, it's like that element of surprise, like you said earlier, right? Mm. I mean, not expecting mm. it. So with that said, I mean, then would you say that all brands or all businesses could and should use humor? Or do you think there's still some that you would, like if a company came to you or you had a client that came to you and they were an undertaker, I'm thinking of something really serious, mm. or I don't, I don't even know what, but would you steer someone away and say, you know, I, I really don't know if you should be using humor in your branding or in your marketing, or um, do you think it's fair game for everybody? 
Well, no, humor isn't a game for everyone. I think what I would do is I would, I would look at their business and I would basically say that humor has been shown to work extremely well when a business has three needs. So the first one is if the proposition is a bit taboo within the, the marketing is a bit taboo. And a great example of this is the economist ads. So the economist ads were basically saying, if you don't read this magazine, you're a bit of a failure. Okay. Now you can't really communicate that straight. You have to use wit in order to get that across. Okay. Right. So if the proposition could be slightly insulting, then humor is going to be very effective. The second reason when it's very effective is when the subject is very serious. A very good example of this is the uh, Dumb Ways to Die campaign, uh, which I think was the Melbourne uh, public transport system, which okay. basically was, was saying, you know, that was like a song, but, you know, Dumb Ways to Die. And it was saying that, okay, you don't want to be messing around on railway tracks. It's going to be a really bad thing to do. And you can either do that really seriously or... There was like a song, there was a jingle, there was a kind of animated cartoon that went along with it. It was in, it was a bit different. So it was funny. It was funny. Exactly. Yeah. It was funny. And the last thing is when you want to widen an audience. So often there's like a, a specific audience, but the brand wants to broaden that audience out. They think, okay, how do we get other people interested in something in a brand they might already know, but they might not think is for them? And this is a really good way of making it funny. So all of a sudden it becomes a bit more acceptable, a bit more interesting, and you can then broaden the audience that, that way. So those are the three key things I would talk to a brand about. And I, I do talk to brands about. And on the back of that, we can then make that, that, that decision about, you know, whether or not to use humor and how to find the right sense of humor for the brand. So what I'm hearing from you, correct me if I'm wrong, Patty, is you can always find a way to use humor humor, no matter what business you're in. Is that correct? Or I again, is there anyone that you would say, no matter like stay away from humor if you're in this business of blank? I would say that you can't use it everywhere. There are certain things which are going to be very difficult to use. Uh, if you're advertising cremation services, for example, then it, it isn't going to be appropriate. Okay. I think still... Unless you're extremely that. clever and you can... Exactly, exactly. No, I mean, I just find it so interesting because I think, you know, I'm just... I can't even think of any business or product or brand where someone hasn't taken a clever twist on it and somehow... Mm, but you have mm. to be, like you said, you have to be really smart and you can't be offensive for sure. Exactly, yeah. I mean, if, if something is, is seen as kind of high risk and high expense, then using humor is a little bit of a risk there. And then it's um, the different types of humor, like you said. Then you would yeah. have to figure out what would work best. Right? Exactly, exactly. So if, if you take, I mean, you know, um, consultancy groups, so okay. Deloitte, Accenture, those ones there, if they, they would tend to veer away from humor because, you know, the expense of, of using those kind of consultancies is so high. And mm -hmm. basically the brands that go and work with them, they want to diminish risk. So they would be kind of, it's, it is very much like a kind of non-humor place. Okay. Um, the only exception to that, though, is if a consultancy did decide to use it, they would stand out. And obviously marketing is about standing out. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Okay, so talking about fear, I want to talk about a subject here that I've had conversation with people a lot lately, and that's about cancel culture. And mm. I think I sort of touched on this a little bit earlier about how a lot of comedians and comedy in general has been watered down because, and you mm. know, Ricky Gervais is actually a great example of that where, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't care, but a lot of comedians we've seen have sort of stayed away because the fear of being canceled. That's why there's not really a lot of good comedies on TV or a lot of good movies, comedy movies that are, have come out lately on mainstream. I mean, not necessarily on, you know, any streaming 
streaming services. Do you think it's affected it in the ad world and in your world specifically? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because the thing about cancel culture is cancel culture very much applies, I think, to people. You know, so J.K. Rowling, for example, she, you know, has recently, you know, because of her comments about transgender, you know, kind of issues. Um, she yeah, has, she's cancelled, you know, isn't been, she? she? She has been cancelled. <laughs> the thing about brands is there might well be scandals that happen to brands, but the brand might not be then cancelled. So Volkswagen had its huge emission scandal, you know, going back seven years, I think it was now. Sorry, who? Can you say that again? Vol- um, Vol- Volkswagen. Volkswagen. Oh, okay. Volkswagen. Volkswagen. Okay. What was the scandal? I don't think I knew. The, the scandal is basically uh, it's, it's diesel cars were emitting something up to 40 times right. the amount of diesel emissions that they are actually saying they were they were emitting. This was discovered and uh, Volkswagen tried to cover it up. And they have paid very hefty fines and they've obviously paid a huge PR price. But I wouldn't kind of class that brand as, as therefore cancelled. No. It's interesting because, you know, we use the phrase cancel culture and there's definitely a real thing there. It does happen. But I think that often when we talk about brands, it's used as a kind of cliche. I was listening to a panel discussion recently about humor and the man who was hosting the panel talked about this tsunami of cancel culture just around the corner. I remember listening to that and thinking, okay, well, where's that coming from? Where's this tsunami coming from? When, when's it going to hit us? You know, and it just sounded in a way like lazy thinking. You don't think it's here now? You don't think people are so scared to say anything that they're worried of being cancelled and not only people but brands as well? I think I think people are fearful, definitely. But I think it's more in a kind of a domestic holding on to their jobs kind of level. The average tenure of, of a chief marketing officer is three years. Right. So many people in senior roles within marketing don't want to take risks because they don't want to be blamed. You yeah. know. So I think what this does is this means that cancel culture has become a bit of a kind of a, a nice little excuse that people use for basically not taking risks with brand communications. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. It definitely does exist. But it can sometimes seem to me to be this very amorphous thing. And my questioning is always like, okay, let's find out the real proof. Let's find out exactly what we know about your audience and let's go on that. And that's the best possible way of diminishing and someone's eradicating any possible backlash. That's interesting. I, I never thought of it that way. But yeah, you're probably right. People are using it as an excuse. Talking about all these different types of humor, do you have a favorite type of humor? Um, I do. I do. I think it's self-defeating humor, which often comes out as pratfall effect. And I'd probably say my favorite ever advertising campaign uses that in spades. And it's for the Hans Brinker Hotel, uh, which is in, in Holland. And this is a hotel, which is a budget hotel. Okay. So there was a Dutch advertising agency called Kessels Kramer who got this account in the mid-1990s and they had to advertise the hotel so basic it was untrue. So they used this flawed approach. They said, you know, now we have bedrooms with a window. Now we have toilets with the blushes, this kind of thing. And the hotel became a cult. Cult brand. A cult brand, exactly. So that kind of humour I love because it's true, it's honest, it's also really good to use because the joke is on yourself. So the butt of the joke is there. It's a really, really nice method to use. And it's massively underused as well. I think it's great too, because you are, you're sort of exposing yourself before anyone else can, mm-hmm. right? And you're you're sort of pointing out what your flaws were so no one else can. And you're laughing about it, making fun of it, but also using that to connect and people appreciate that. And, you know, there's exactly. some, that vulnerability comes back. 
right? Exactly. Which is, yeah. You're I, right. I, I hear that all the time when it comes to branding. And when I talk to different people, it's about the more vulnerable you are, the better you're going to be able to connect with your audience. And so that, that's a great example. Definitely. So for people that are listening, I have a lot of entrepreneurs, small business owners and business leaders that are listening. Can you share, let's say, three do's and three don'ts of using humor in branding? Let's start with the don'ts. <laughs> We'll start with the negative and end on a positive. Okay, okay. So the three don'ts is don't think it's just, it's about belly laughs. Yes, belly laughs are good. But a good way to describe humor when brands use it is a smile in the mind. So it's something that makes you feel good inside. You might not actually laugh, but that doesn't matter. They feel good. They feel that warmth. That's really useful. The second thing is don't just examine your audience's media diets and decide on that. This is what happens a lot within advertising agencies, and I don't think it's very good at all, is that people look at an audience, they might say, okay, their favorite show is Schitt's Creek. That means they like this type of humor. And my approach, and I think a far wiser approach, is actually speaking to your audience, using humor styles questionnaires with them. And these questionnaires have been used in academia for decades. And they're very effective, they're very thorough. So actually speak to your audience, really get a sense of what they like. And I think, I think the third thing I would say is, without sounding self-important, don't think of humor as frivolous or unimportant, because it's not. It's a really incredible trait, because it's universal. You know, there's been no culture on Earth. Anthropologists have studied culture after culture on Earth, and they haven't found one culture yet without a sense of humor. This is a, a trait that is that so many people have, and it's a trait that we know more and more and more about. And this is why, you know, there's every reason to look into it, you know, for marketers and you know, branding experts. Okay. Before you go to the do's, I just mm -hmm. want to, I think that was a really interesting point you just said. But wouldn't you also say, though, that it's very cultural specific in the sense that what might be funny, especially, you know, we talked about what's funny in London or the UK versus what's funny in Canada versus mm. what may not be funny in Asia, right, or other cultures. So isn't that also like, aren't cultures very specific in their humor as well? They are. But I think what matters more, in fact, the, the, uh, the research shows this, what matters more is demographics rather than country borders. So if you're talking about, say, you know, the humor within Holland is different to that in Germany. Yes, there might well be differences there. But de demographic is a far greater thing. If you're marketing a product to a certain audience within Holland and Germany, and you know that demographic really, really well, then the use of humor is far more successful. And it crosses program. all borders. So if you were if you were targeting yeah. you were targeting, let's say, Gen Z, for example, mm. you they would be the same whether you were targeting them in Holland or in Sweden or in London or in Asia, they would all they would all get it. They would have far more in common right. in terms of, of what they would share in terms of their, their interests, their views, right. their opinions, rather than what their passports were. It's a very interesting debate, this actually, because mm -hmm. there was a study done a few years ago. And it was looking at individualism versus collectivism. And what they did is they took America and China and they thought, okay, America is the individualistic nation. This is where everyone wants to, to strive for, you know, kind of a, a life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, you know. However, China is very much about collectivism. You know, it's a history, a very long history of collectivism, communism, and so forth. So they showed different adverts to different focus groups within America and China. And they discovered it was the exact opposite. Hmm. People within China, like the individualistic ones, and people within America, 
like the collectivist. Oh, isn't that interesting? So it's aspirational. Yeah, exactly. It is about aspiring to like a different place. Who in America want that sense of belonging. They missed that and they wanted more of that. So this is why when I say don't examine your audience's media diets, examine the audience themselves, it's really worth doing that because the surprises there, you can actually find real insights, really surprising insights that go against what we might think. And that's why it's so important. I love that. Wow, that's very interesting. Okay, so let's end it on the three do's. Three do's. (laughs) On a positive Um, note. Uh, so the first one is actually everything you just said do the opposite no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) the first the first thing actually taps into what i was just talking about it if you like so the first thing is do research humor thoroughly the more research you do of humor styles of humor mechanisms of the audience the better the final result will be so often when people are fearful it's because they think of humor as this kind of oh slightly kind of strange weird thing that we all know and like but it's slightly dangerous And my feeling is, no, when you go out there and do the homework, you'll be fine. The second one is separate comedy and humor. So comedy Mm. is about genres. So when you talk about slapstick, that's a type of comedy. Whereas humor is obviously the kind of fibers that build these comedy genres. So sometimes, you know, when people talk about comedy, fine, that's where humor goes. But often with an ad, especially say a print ad, it might not be an example of comedy. And the last thing is basically put your fears to one side. This is humor. And it's one of those things that creatives like to create, brands like to promote, and audiences like to consume. And so it's something that's definitely, because we know so much more about it now, because, you know, it's definitely very welcome in this kind of, as we're moving through this kind of COVID to post-COVID time. I think it's definitely something, you know, that that it's, it's time has come again. And there's definitely, you know, talk of a resurgence in it, and rightly so. I totally agree. And I, I think it's needed now more than ever for all the reasons that you just talked about. And I love what you said about comedy versus humor. I never thought of that that way before. Mm. But yeah, you're right. It's very different. And at the end of the day, I always talk about how branding is about connecting on an emotional level. Mm. And humor is an emotion. And when you can tap into that emotion, I think it's a great way to connect. And Mm. I'm all for it. Do you think people are born with a sense of humor? Like, do you think you can Uh, learn to be? No, they've discovered that children who are born without the ability to see or hear can laugh. They can laugh. Children without the ability to see or hear can still laugh. Yeah. So it is an innate thing. Laugh and do you think some people an, are born without it? Uh, no. I, I, I think that everyone, to a greater or lesser extent, has a sense of humor. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's very different. I think what's interesting, and this is what makes it so fascinating for me, is that humor is a universal trait. But it is so unique to every single person on this planet. Yeah. So it is, a, it is a huge paradox. So that's one of the biggest paradoxes about it. And the second biggest paradox is that humor is capable of bringing so many people together. But when it's not done properly, it's capable of creating enormous division. Oh, for and sure. It's those two paradoxes which, you know, basically, in a way, drive me to find out more about it because um, it's extraordinary. Yeah, I agree. Do you think you're funny? Do you, do you think you're... <laughs> Yeah. I, I mean, you don't so. have to be funny to have a good sense of humor, right? 
Yeah, um, I've been told I'm quite dry. Um, dry. My children dry humor is a good humor. Yeah. You know what? One of my best friends actually is one of the funniest people I know, but you would never know it because she has such a dry sense of humor, which is yeah. just great. And I get it. But, you know, you don't not a lot of people get dry senses of humor, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it kind of changes. So, so you yeah. know, when my, my wife says I'm I'm quite dry, uh, my children they think I'm I'm quite goofy. But that's maybe that's because children expect a goofier sense of humor. Yeah, you know? yeah. I can't look at the time. I can't believe it's gone by so quickly, Patty. It's been so much fun talking to you. Thank you so so much for taking the time to speak with me. If people want to learn more about you and how they can connect with you, what's the best way? So my my site is studiogilmore.com, and that's uh, studio then G I L. L-M-O-R-E.com. And I'm on Twitter at Mr. Paddy Gilmore. Mr. Paddy Gilmore. And do you have clients all over the world or mostly in the UK? Um, at the moment in uh, the UK and America. In America. Okay. Um, also, I've basically worked for, for clients in Germany as well, various parts of Europe and Australia, hopefully soon as well. Amazing. Well, you know, that's the great thing about the digital space. I have listeners all over the world. So I do have people in the UK, so they might probably know you. So and the brands (laughs) that you mentioned that I didn't know, they probably know. So, well, thank you so much. Do you have any closing words before we say goodbye? Um, I just like to like say thank you. It's been wonderful to talk to you about about humor and brands. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. My pleasure. Well, me too. Well, we'll definitely stay in touch. Sounds good. Thanks so much. And there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and maybe learned a few things to help you with your branding. This show is a work in progress, so please remember to rate and review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like help creating brand awareness for your business, please reach out to me on any of the social platforms under, you guessed it, Branding Badass. I promise you I reply to all my messages. Branding Matters was produced, edited, and hosted by Jolie Goodson, also me. So thank you again, and until next time, here's to all you badasses out there.